Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice with me, Michael Q. And me, Roger Bellwest. Here in the wet and cold High Wycombe, we've just been lashed by the tail end of the storm that snowed out the eastern seaboard of the United States. Uh, we're here to discuss uh, getting away from the table and up and out, or at least to a different sort of table. Yep, or indeed very thoroughly inwards, sitting at one's own computer at home and using the internet. And we'll also be talking about things that can't be made into role-playing games. Though we're going to try anyway. Onwards. This year, as part of the celebration of my birthday in August, my 62nd year towards heaven, I sincerely hope, I'm going to be going to um, a convulsion or continuum or whatever it's called nowadays. Uh, one of the Leicester uh, uh, biennial cons which focus largely on live-action role-playing, LARPs. I thought it would be a good time at this time to chat about LARPs and how they're different from the traditional sitting-around-a-table role-playing game and why they're fun and how they're constructed and put together. I have had experience of helping write one LARP, and I've helped um, GM a few, and I've played in quite, in quite a number. I've been away for uh, personal reasons from this bit of the hobby for a while, so this is me returning to one of my roots. Have yeah. you done any LARPing, Roger? I've, well... It depends on what you mean by LARPing. I mean, I, I get the feeling that what you're talking about is mostly um, in-character discussions and politicking and, you know, I want this yeah. and you want that and can we arrange to get both things. Whereas what I did was wave a rubber sword around, or more, more commonly a rubber staff. Yeah, I I, I looked at the... I, we all looked at the treasure trap idea. Mm. It was very athletic, um, full of energy <laughs> to me. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, I missed Treasure Trap. I, I did uh, Labyrinth a few years later, which was at Chislehurst Caves. Still is, in fact. The company was wound up last year, but they still seem to be trading. Um, do you think we really ought to think to the to the high authorities on this podcast? They give the company number on their website. I looked it up at Company's House. I think they know. All right. <laughs> but in any case, th this is basically a random bunch of people gets together, fights a series of monsters, mm -hmm. and comes back with treasure, at least in theory. Is that much more fun than doing it around a tabletop? Well, not particularly. Um, it's a different sort of thing. There's very little role-playing in it, just as there's very little role-playing in your classic dungeon bash. Um, yeah. And you have the uh, being the monsters um, when you're not being being the heroes thing. Is that is that continued with Labyrinth? Generally, you yeah, you would pay, pay to go on an adventure, or you could just hang around and uh, play the monsters without paying. Hmm. I'm Which is sure. what I tended to do rather more of. Yeah, I'm not sure that's an entirely profitable thing. And it seemed to work fairly well because if you, if you were hanging around in Chislehurst caves, yeah. um, you couldn't exactly go out for a quick pint or bite to eat or anything, and they would sell you that. All right, fair but enough. Anyway, but it's not Dream Park. No, no, it was never going to be. No, it's dark. I, ga I gather they favour glow sticks these days. We we used to use some um, um, some sort of torch, and. Um, yeah, there's a lot of going double, 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 as you hit somebody repeatedly with a light weapon. <laughs> yeah, I, I do medieval recreation, and uh, and the people who wave real metal swords around in that um, tend to be a little um, dismissive of the foam rubber mob, even if some of them are secretly members of the <laughs> uh, of that fraternity. The, anyway, the weapons are a lot prettier these days. I've, I've seen for sale things like a, a latex full colour chainsaw. Uh, that you can bash people over yeah, the head with. Yeah, that's not that's not not appearing in any game game that um, uh, that I'm running. But um, not, not any medieval game. Oh, but go I think, on, admit you're tempted. I, I'm tempted by the thought of it as a post-apocalyptic piece of <laughs> fizz rep. We'll get onto fizz rep in a moment. Um, no, mostly what I'm talking about is what's sometimes called free forms, um, but is more focused on interpersonal reaction politicking, getting things done, mythical um, experiences and puzzle solving than fighting, though um, I've seen a fair amount of uh, 
fighting bursting out, it tends to slow things down a little because uh, then you really have to have a referee to arbitrate and it's not one of the things. Now, mm. the main thing about this is that you're getting up and you're walking around and you're finding people to interact with, with minimal um, supervision from the GMs. The GMs are there, they're looking on, they're adding advice, they're playing um, NPCs as they traditionally do and they're telling you information when you go for it. But by and large, all the interaction is between player and player and is happening out of anybody's control. Mm. That's the first thing that is sacrificed when you're running a, um, a LARP, a freeform, is that you, the GM, sacrifices all that control that you have at the table, all your capacity to nudge and hint and direct mm. things. So it has to be built in which means an awful lot of writing in advance in order to set up something. In some ways, this is limiting because there's less room for improvisation about background, improvisation about character. Yeah, but, so, so, so if, if you want a villainous plot to happen at a particular time, you have to drive that either from an NPC hmm. or get a, get a player to connive in this. Well, players will stand in line to play villains. Play villains, <laughs> in my in my experience, and to play um, to play, and not uh, people who have antagonisms. In designing a lab, first of all, there's a theme, the event, the thing that brings it together, and there's a there's an awful lot, an awful lot of possibilities for these, from a small scale to a large scale. It does tend towards political. It does tend towards um, interpersonal. Uh, I've been to LARPs which were big international conferences, which were just the things happening in a particular place, which were a small group of people trying to achieve um, a particular end. I was thinking of a LARP called Diamond Geezers, in which you are trying to get the loot from a partially bungled um, criminal job out of the safe in time. Um, so generally, you presumably you, you I, I know there are some of these that, that form series. But yeah. generally, I would get the impression that you you want some sort of satisfying conclusion in your single session. There has to be. It has. It it can be part of a series. It can't really be part of, of a campaign. You're never going to get the same people together because twice. you're only running this once every once it once however a, often once how every however often and it, it's they're, they're big things to to get to get together. It, they should be completing themselves, and each time it's run, it should come to a, a definite conclusion. There's a lot of replayability. I've even been in one LARP, Home of the Bold, where I played on one side of the equation as a member of the Sartorite Resistance, and on the other side as the leader of the Lunar, lunar Oppressions. <laughs> on two different, two, the, we, we Lunar Oppressors couldn't get the help, let me say. Technically, I suppose one of these really ought to be the same person, but well, it's perhaps a little too dark. Well, that is a little too dark. No, I, I found myself um, saying, when I sur say surround the inn, I mean put people all around it to my minions, and that is not <laughs> a thing you want to hear yourself saying. Anyway, yeah. Um, when Mind's Eye Theatre, the, the World of Darkness stuff, was big in, the, in yeah. the, particularly in the states, I gather there were groups that were quite literally getting together every week to politic. Well, the, the Mind's Eye Theatre is is slightly is slightly different. I mean, pure politicking is a huge part of uh, Vampire. The Ma was a huge part of Vampire: The Masquerade. Still is, in as much as it's still played. And the interaction between the various um, supernatural factions is is a, a core delight of the game and you could build up reality and there were allowances for um, people advancing becoming uh, different or more powerful in the game but that is very much uh, an exception to the rule yeah and given that it's once off and people are coming to it from outside it has to be well defined and something that people can pick up so apart from the glorantha things and the world of darkness things where people are coming to it most of the people who are coming to it have enthusiasm for the setting in, in advance yeah on and some all right and some of the earth magicka stuff all right now leaving aside <laughs> the, the the large number of exceptions to what i'm about to say um you need something well defined that people can pick up in a in a hurry 
and say, right, I know what this setting is like. So presumably one of the ways of doing that is to make it Osmagical or, or Glorantha or whatever. Yeah, but on the other hand, one of the other ways is to ma is to put it around a known property or set of properties. Uh, there have been Buffy games. There have been Dad's Army-based games. There have been games based loosely around Casablanca. You're in a, no a North African city uh, during the early part of World War Two, and there are factions and groups trying to achieve various things and there are hidden agents and what have you there's have even been michelle from um Stabacon was telling me about this musical based mashups in which everybody is a character from a major broadway musical and it's all happening at once there was even singing <laughs> according to to michelle all right so you need the thing that's happening the event the theme the place and you need time pressure because you can't, as I say, you've sacrificed sitting around the table and saying, look, can we get on with this now? So that has to be a clearly defined, if not necessarily totally reliable, schedule of things that are going to have to happen by the end of the game or by a certain point mm -hmm. in the game. Um, so presumably you wrap up some of that in, in players' goals. You, you you want to achieve this. Yeah. this is Well, setting it up, Going in is part of it. By the end of the conference, by the seventh hour, you must have, by the or an hour equals a day of time passing is yeah. a fairly common thing. I have occasionally seen LARPs where an event inside the LARP transforms what happens subsequently, often a death. Uh, the death of the emperor means a new emperor must be elected. So presumably, you, the murder you, you, of one of the people trapped in the um, trapped in the airport waiting lounge means that the nature of the game transforms. Yeah, I wanted to ask about uh, location. Is, are these generally all in one big room, or do they spread out more? Well, this is part of, generally, all in one big room, but this is part of what the design of the game, or the adaptation of it to a particular location should uh, take into account. It's very useful to have places where people can't go, this is our territory, this is um, this is their 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 territory. Hmm. This is the barracks of the oppressors. This is the inn where the uh, down downtrodden are gathering to plot um, a rebellion, yeah. and to make and to adapt it to a particular location is important. This is part of an issue. Phys rep, uh, physical representation is having an actual thing in front of you that can be the device. It helps enormously if you've got a if you're writing about a big magical sword, to have a big magical-looking sword there as as a prop. Mm. The one that I helped write, uh, Sword Day, fo focuses around who gets to pick up the big ma magical sword which determines the, the right to bear the crown and what happens when they do. We had a big magical sword. Let's write it the, the LARP about this. Yep. And... A particularly good-looking piece of costume or prop makes an enormous, an enormous difference. You can't rely on it. If you want to rely on it, then you should supply it, uh, you as the organisers. <laughs> but um, people will go to enormous lengths, frequently, to adapt to pre present costumes to make things look good. Uh, so presumably for at least some of this, you want people signed up in advance and say, this is who you're going to be in time for the yeah. winter. Yeah, mostly these are going to be uh, these are going to be organised in advance of the convention or the meeting. You know who you're going to be. You've got time to study the uh, the details that are being given out. And you know, in a LARP, that it definitely breaks your uh, one side of A four rule. It has to. Mm -hmm. You've got to know not only the well, background. You're, you're giving people enough stuff to keep them going for twelve out for seven or twelve or whatever hours. Yeah. It has, it, it has to be. So you, what you're going to find is not only what the general background is, what everybody, what everybody knows, but also who your character is and what they know, and what they know about the individual people around around you. Now, in a really big LARP, there should be some surprises out there. There should be people you don't know about, mm. um, and who who. Or who turn up and um, and make a, a difference that you weren't that the player 
going in, what wouldn't have expected to happen. Yeah, sure. That's all outside of... You, sh you shouldn't have, have it tied down too tightly in factions. One of the best things about Home of the Bold was that there were neutrals there. There were people who could swing to either side. And negotiating with them, getting them on your side for future considerations and and or threats was a large part of the game. One of the best compliments I got from one of the players of the neutrals when I was playing the oppressor said, was that after that first session of talking to you, I knew you were too good at this, so I had to stay away from you. <laughs> uh, conflict should be there, but there should... Conflict has to be there. It has to be built in. It's interesting to note that you can be part of one of the factions that's pretty much doomed to lose, but still have a good time going down. Yeah. If you are... Well, the... if you play Call of Cthulhu, you're used to this. <laughs> well, quite. I'm not sure how well a Call of Cthulhu LARP would work, because, let's be frank, there isn't a lot of politicking. I'm, I'm, people yeah. are going to call in and offer as counterexamples, but basically there's only so much politicking you can do with regard to elder horrors who wish to eat mankind. Mm. Though something like Delta Green, where you've got multiple government agencies all wanting their particular agenda. Yeah, and all of them going slowly mad or corrupted and they don't really realise it. Th this does sound as if th there's clearly a large surface of contact between this sort of LARP and Mega Games. Yeah, the Mega Games I've always regarded as being a uh, a branch a subset. I've not played any of the really big Mega Games. We're talking things like... Um, the what is it? What is it? The the con what is the contact with aliens one called? We'll link to it in the show notes. Well, uh, we... Shut up and sit down. Did it recently? Yeah. Um, uh, no, no, so so you've got what thirty plus players? Yeah. Maybe fifty plus players. They're in teams, and in this particular case, each of them was was um, each team was one country. Yeah. Uh, who didn't entirely trust each other, and then alien sightings started showing up. Yeah. And some and the aliens were their own team, but the, all the messages had to go between between them by referee because there were translation errors. <laughs> but there are things there are things of this sort. I mean, there have been um, Roman political ones I, I've heard of, yeah, that sort of thing. So clearly, there there are things that could fall into either camp. I think those are much more referee involvement. Yeah, they uh, they they struck me as having uh, heavier heavier system re reliance. Sister, by and large, I'm not entirely sure we've mastered the art of designing systems for LARPs. Um, there's an awful lot of falling back on rock, paper, scissors to mm. determine combat and that sort of thing. It's also very heavy on earning and expending resources, um, magical, political, right. physical, uh, or what whatever there are systems for romance that i've seen which i think have to be there to overcome the embarrassment that gamers feel hmm. um but in many ways it, it is it is a pure role-playing experience a larping you get up you talk you talk you talk to people you're in their face and um, you get excited about things, and things improvisations happen, and occasions are missed. It's wonderful, very wonderful, when it's working. It does fail from time to time. Mm. With so many people, there are failure points when people can't find the people they're looking for, can't get the thing they're trying to do, and some people do revolt and decide, I'm fed up with this, I want to leave, I want to get out. Yep. But um, there are things you can do. There are, if you're wise, you'll build in a, a, a route for people and encourage people to go to the GM and say, look, uh, I'm, I'm fading here. Um, can you give me some help? Can you give me a pointer? It should be a thing that should be part of a good GM's. Um, yeah. But, or, but players or, or don't... Or worst not... case, a dagger in the back. Oh, uh, yeah. Of the GM? No, no. So, so that... The, so that that player character is explicitly dead and the player can leave without... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If, if I'm going to die in a LARP, I want to die spectacularly <laughs> and taking several of the bastards with me. <laughs> that, may be perfectly, that may be perfectly clear. Um, there's also the trick of having, people, having death written in and people coming back as another thing. 
there should be information out there that you need and you don't have at the start. There should even be information out there that you need and you don't know that you need mm. at the start. And structuring that into other people's briefings and to things that the GM can tell you if you go and consult with them um, is quite an art form and works. When it works, it works very well, but it's very tricky to do. Yeah, I'm just th thinking of um, this, like my own experience of this broad sort of thing, I'm very bad at improvising interpersonal stuff. You, you say that, but... Uh, all right, that's not how you strike me around the table, but go on. I'd go, going up and approaching people. All right, yeah. I'm quite bad at. Um, but it, it, something that was structured basically as a research exercise, which I suspect many, many roles could be treated as, you know, you've got to talk to all these people and find the information about X. Yeah. Might well work more in the mm. sort of style I do. I've made it so... Uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I think the, the hidden information comes in, in three parts. In the hands of the GMs, in the hands of other people, and in those little sealed envelopes which you are to, only to open under specific sets of circumstances, <laughs> uh, they they hang there like a, like a uh, like like an aura of doom when you get one of those in your. Uh, but that's a clue in itself. It tells you that the circumstance is a possibility and that something yeah. will happen if it if it transpires. Uh, yeah, but when it just says, do not open this until the GMs tell you to, that's not actually that much of a clue. <laughs> I've made it sound awfully complicated, and by and large, I think that it is. But I should make a mention to a, a game call I picked up uh, at Stabcon, which I've not yet um, had a chance to play. Which is called "Was There Something Else?" Uh, by Graham Walmsley of uh, of various uh, indie game fame, and it's a deck of cards defining the background and the relationships between the downstairs bit of a down, down, Downton Abbey a sort of establishment mm -hmm. in the years between the end of the First World War and the rise of the Second. Yeah, and basically, it's got a pack of cards and a set of characters you can choose to play and various interactions that happen at three stages during during the game and it's the most minimalist LARP I've ever seen. It's possibly for I think it's for less than a dozen people but it's it's all about personal relationships, about um, who's sleeping with whom and who wants what and mm -hmm. uh but it is, it is the most. It is. It, it's got potential for the right sort of players. I don't think you'd enjoy it, but <laughs> for the right sort of players, I think it could go very well indeed. Anyway, that is my brief summary, possibly grossly inaccurate, of what I think about LARPs and um, why I'm looking forward to getting back into them and why more people should do them. Like so, if if people decide they've listened to this and want, want to try a LARP in, in the style you've been talking about, where should they go? Well, they should have a look at Continuum. They should have a look at if they want to try running one. They should ha have a look out the uh, the website of the Peaky um, Collective, who meet once a year. I think they even be twice to uh, uh, to write uh, quick, easy uh, role playing. Uh, live role-playing games uh, in a in a hurry. That was where I helped write uh, Sword Day, and which publishes some of them on the web. If you if you choose a, a small one for half a dozen fewer than ten players, and uh, uh, that can be wrong with one GM, you can do this in your own home. Mm -hmm. And um, but if you want to go for something that's being organised, look at Continuum. Look up what's the one up in Scotland called. Look, we'll, we'll, we will get together a list. We will bung it into the into the show, show notes. Right. Okay. We're all getting older and we're living further apart than we were, mostly. And Some of us huddled together against the dark, you know. And one way of uh, get, getting in some gaming, in spite of this, is doing it by some some sort of online 
medium, and specifically I want to talk about video conferencing here. Okay. Because uh, I've been doing a bit of it recently. And the first surprise is it's really not actually all that difficult. Um, I've tried audio only, effectively, mm -hmm. a conference call, and that, that does take a bit of effort. What makes the, is, is it just having people's expressions in front of you that makes the difference? Expressions, and if, if somebody's being talked over, they can wave frantically. Okay. And things like that. Um, so really looking at things like, well, Google Hangouts for as long as Google Hangouts lasts, uh, Skype, yeah. appear.in. Um, these are, well, S Skype doesn't tell you exactly how it works, but the other two are WebRTC, uh, which means peer-to-peer -peer communication, which is a problem because, first of all, if you've got one person on a grotty internet connection and they're trying to send their video to five separate people, yeah, then they're going to start having troubles. Uh, secondly, it's quite possible for A to lose his link to B, yeah. but A and B can still each talk to and be talked to by C, and it's not entirely obvious when that's happened, if you're C. Okay. Um, so you, you need to be aware of that, and if, if, if you start seeing people dropping out, hmm. it may be worth reloading, and that, that then breaks up yeah. the flow of things a bit. Um, What's the best you've found? Um, well, a peer dot in has the huge advantage of being completely free and no registration needed and runs in basically any modern Chromium or Firefox. It starts to creak a bit when you get above about four people, I find. Yeah. But that may just be the way I'm using it. I haven't tried tweaking it yet. Okay. Um, Google Hangouts also works pretty well. I haven't tried Skype. Okay. I generated a Google account specifically for use on Hangouts. Don't try to contact me there. I don't exist. Um, you heard it here, Roger Bill West does not exist. Uh, you do need to work out a certain amount of speech discipline. Not as much as with the audio only, but you do need to be alert to, okay, here is somebody trying to say something, here is somebody who's not, not actually able to shout out over everybody else, because maybe their microphone is just coming out very quiet or something. Yeah. You Again, you can tweak input levels a bit, but one doesn't really have patience for that, one wants to get on with the game. Yeah. But the thing I found hardest on this uh, is you've got very limited, what one might call non-video channels. It would be really nice to be able to say, here is an image yeah. that I'm going to put in, a, in an inlay, or here, here is a bit of text that I'd like you guys to read, or whatever. Google Hangouts and, and Appearin both have a text chat thing, and you can post links into that. But it's a bit clunky. Hmm. Something like, and there's, there's no sort of private note. You can't send a text message to an individual. Yeah, that's a that's a. Have you looked? Yeah, I'm sure you have looked at the the various um, tabletop virtual yeah, tabletop. I'll, I'll come on to those okay, in a minute. Um, look, looking at just this for the moment, what what I'd actually tend to do is um, stick up an IRC server. Hmm. Um, or you could use a public running one. running simultaneously as with the. With the, with the, with the video. Yeah, so you have one channel for general game messages, and then yeah. you, then you can do a direct message to an an individual. I don't know. Do people still have IRC clients these days? I I have one. I haven't used it in an age, but I have one. I'm sure you could do similar things with other instant messaging. I mean, if you if you're using if everybody's got Google accounts because you're using Hangouts, then you could probably do something with that. I haven't tried that. Yeah. This approach basically doesn't support battle maps. Yeah, I'm not that thrilled. I don't. I want to be able to use battle. I, excuse me. If I were doing this sort of thing, I'd want to be able to do battle maps. But what I'd really want is a whiteboard. Yeah. What I want. I want to be able to take that image you uh, you you talked about and say, "Blunk here. This is what you see." And I also. And I also. Now want, I'm scribbling on it to say you are there, or or and, or I'm or I'm sketching out out a map and saying. Because I I do not go into sessions. It will shock you to hear this with all the maps that they need uh, ready <laughs> in my head. Uh, here, here's the uh, yet another reason for Ken Height's dictum of set things in the real world. Yeah, <laughs> because you can steal things from the real world. On the other hand, I was running Knights uh, Black Agents yesterday, and I had to improvise a fa uh, uh, an ex-Soviet era um, a weapons factory, which was being used as actually spoilers, but no, but. Um, <laughs> But I had to improvise uh, uh, a, an abandoned fa factory in in the inside the old Warsaw Pact, yep. um, um, and which was only described in the text and not uh, mapped yep. out. But it became a bit tactical when they were deciding whether to assault the place. Yeah, I, I would say this approach is basically a, a lot better for talky adventures with a bit of dice rolling. Yeah, uh, which okay is what I tend to run, so that helps. 
um, that basically say, tell me what you're doing, okay, make your skill check, you learn this uh, as as a flow, as distinct from, okay, you step forward and and um, get, get into range to stab him with your rapier. Well, the thing is that, uh, to, to take NBA just as an example, um, I have to, I tend to do both because yeah. there, there is the, there is an awful lot of investigation in the gumshoe game, but in NBA, they suddenly, and at the least, uh, provocation have to find themselves, uh, running for their lives, shooting back, uh, generally tackling horrendous things from beyond the grave. And I, I need to be able to do both. Mm. Yeah. If, if you do want, there doesn't seem to be a, a third-party shared whiteboard that, at least, that I've found that isn't proprietary in some way. And yeah. I, I, I very much prefer to use free software if I possibly can. Um, now there are various systems designed for role-playing. Many, many of them didn't start with video facilities, but they, mm -hmm. they've often—I think—they've mostly added it now. Things like Roll Twenty, Fantasy Grounds, and so on. The the primary interface there is a tactical map. Now, you do, don't have to use it. I, I've seen some video, I think the um, Grognard files linked to some people playing Traveller, yeah. where the map was basically, the the GM threw a sector map on, on the screen just to show, okay, we're playing Traveller, and yeah. I have to have something here. And then it was conducted entirely by speech after that. Yeah. So that that's clearly doable. I've tried these a bit. I, I find that the audio and video quality generally isn't quite as good as on the dedicated systems, but you know, if it works, if yeah. it works for everybody, then that's fine. And that, that will certainly give you a lot more tools in terms of your private messages and your dice rolling. And I do so want, I would want a, a dice roll. Uh, this is related to uh, the question you asked a while back about ideal. It was part of the, the, the August marathon of questions um <laughs> what the ideal um gaming table is i think i want not only a video link and a text link underneath it to each player so that i can me as gm this is what i want to see as gm a link to e each player and uh, a text that i a, a text link and open what the, the video is what everybody says around the table yeah uh, the text link may be what people say to each other, if I allow them that, <laughs> uh, and what I, I, I we say back and forth. I'd also want a general, mostly at my tables, the dice are rolled, except for a very few dice by the GM, the dice are rolled out on the table where everybody can see it. Mm. Um, I know some people don't do that, but I do. So I'd want a, a dice rolling program uh, that the uh, players could trigger from their end, and it would say, Fred is now rolling 3d6, rack-a-rattle. Yep. And also one for the GM. The GM is now rolling 3d6. Worry. I've certainly... Well, I've, I've written an IRC bot, mm. which you just say... You just tell it in the public channel, roll 3d6, and it will tell you what the result is. Yeah. Or you can do it on a private message if you prefer. Uh, so, so that's certainly doable. Um, I'd like all this integrated. I'd like the whiteboard. Yeah, I, I, I think for for the fully integrated system, something like Roll Twenty or Fantasy Grounds is probably your best bet. Yeah, but you say you're not impressed by the quality of the of the chat. The, of the conference. There, there's also just a general lot of faff, and the, yeah, well, uh, it, it, I, I run voice over IP servers. I'm I'm not uh, an amateur of this. In fact, I have been paid for it, um, but. My players don't. Yeah. And if I want, if I say, let's, let's do a game, I can say, okay, you can install Roll20 and, and, or whatever. And okay, so maybe you need Windows or maybe you need a Java virtual machine and let, everybody hates Java. Um, I personally do not hate Java. I do not know <laughs> enough to hate, hate it. Basically, there are complications. You've got to install it, configure it, set it up, appear in. You give you give the URL for the chat room you're going to use for the game. Yeah. They load it in their browser. It says, do you want to show your microphone? And if so, which one? Do you want to show your camera? And if so, which one? They say, yes, that's it. Uh -huh. uh, Google Hangouts is nearly as simple. You need to sign up for it. But apart from that, it, it's basically... Yeah, but you're not, get, you're not getting all the other... All the other bits have to be yeah. tacked on. Yeah, basically, if you want to move out of the browser... Um, then, then you need more complexity on the local machine, and that's where you get into software installations and things. Yeah. 
and getting people just to install a, a SIP voice over IP client was fairly hard work. Hmm. I, I seem to recall you were doing some testing and with me and that didn't work. Yeah, that that was actually trying to record a peer.in. All right. But I have, I have a different solution for that if, if uh, that turns up again, which is just have a recorder sitting next to the machine. God, the cunning of the man. It's crude and it's horrible, but it'll work. Um, I did want to mention in, in this context a game that is specifically designed for being played over this sort of conference. Oh, my. It's called Viewscreen. It's run by, uh, written by Raphael Chandler, who uh, has done quite a lot of indie games and hmm. related books. I published in 2013. The second edition um, did the Kickstarter last year. Uh, first edition is free on DriveThruRPG. What is it? Uh, it's aimed at three to four players. Yeah. Uh, the default scenario is you are crew on a spaceship that has been damaged in some way. Something has gone mm. wrong, or many things have gone wrong. So you cannot go and talk, visit each other directly, but you have your view screens, uh -huh. and, you, and you can talk to each other that way. And that's that's limiting the the, the scope of the game in order to fit the technology. Yeah, um, what you can do is move, you have on your character briefing a number of locations that you can move to. Yeah. Um, but this is mostly so that you can have an excuse to describe them atmospherically. Mm -hmm. It's very mechanics light, and it, the mechanics, I think, are basically there to try to cause people to argue with each other. <laughs> so, you, you're, you're, your typical briefing, you, you've got four players, and your your character briefing says... Uh, the problem that only player B can resolve is this. The problem that only player C can resolve is this. The problem that only player D can resolve is this. You also have four solutions, which are basically buzzwords. So you, you can narrate a solution including this buzzword. Before you start playing, you have to pick which of them will actually work. Yeah. May, maybe only one or two of the solutions you have will actually work. Mm. So this week, this week it's uh, reversing the polarity of the neutron flow. Yeah. But next week, it, we may have to do something with the, with a deflector uh, deflector ray or the photon spiral generator. That's a good one. Woo. Um, so clearly, not everybody's going to get all their problems solved because mm. there aren't enough solutions. If all your problems are solved by the end of the game, you survive. Yay! This is a play once, isn't it? It's not a prolonged campaign. It's not a campaign at all. There are, I think, four standard scenarios in the book. People have written others. There are also various other ones in different settings. You've got the sorcerers in the blasted post-war wasteland communicating with each other by crystal ball between their isolated towers. Oh, that, that's that's too close to real life, I think. You, you've got the senior, you've got you know, the president, the, the, the general and so on during a zombie outbreak. Um, you've got um, author and publicists during a book launch campaign, doing, doing a phone conference. <laughs> no, no, the, excuse the, the me. Excuse may, excuse the author me. may be going a bit mad. I, I, yeah, no, no, excuse me, no, no, no. That, that, that's that, that's too much like play, playing uh, accountants and analysts. Anyway, when you run out, when everybody's run out of solutions, the game ends. Right. Um, if your problems are solved, great, you live, otherwise you get to do your dying speech. In version 2, which is out in playtest, you, you have to have all your problems solved and you must be forgiven by somebody who's going to die. That's, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's so appealing, it's almost cheap. Um, <laughs> Alright. Obviously, this is a... It, you see what I mean? It, it's there to generate player interaction. It's, yeah. it's completely diceless. And the, the the mechanic consists of A says to B, I've got this problem. B says to A, try solution X. Um, there may be other solutions. A says, okay, I'll try X. B says either it worked or it didn't work. Mm. But what you have to do is is improvise around that. Yeah. There there are some recordings online, I believe. Okay. It, it gets quite profane at times. There there is a thing that seemed kind of odd. You you've always got one player who, while not GM, is in a, is in a coordinating sort of role. So you have the the bridge officer on the starship yeah. is saying, right, I want to talk to medical about this, and I want to talk to engineering about that. Other players are encouraged to um, keep their microphones muted, but but listen to what's going on mm. when they're not in the scene, and then jump in if they want to. So I'm not quite sure what that's about, but the the principle is there. I have not played this. I've I've read through it. Um, 
I'd like to try it sometime. I, I think it would probably work better again with people who can improvise the social stuff quickly. Yeah. But, yeah. And if, if you're working with, with this sort of thing, it's designed for a small group. Um, it's pretty much zero prep time needed. Mm. And I'd say it's well worth looking at, particularly since it's free. The thing that tempts me about this, I think I've said this before, is the idea of being able to run some of the games I can't get players for in my face-to-face, -face fairly fleshy and bloody um, acquaintance. Yeah. Uh, games like Ars Magica, Hero Quest, the ones that I have um, exhausted the patience of my face-to-face uh, -face players. <laughs> and I might be able to find somebody out there in the world who'd be willing to let me uh, run them for. But yeah. as I say, I, I, the barrier... I look at things like uh, 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 like um, virtual tabletops, and I think this requires too much technical investment. This requires too much learning. This is what's put me off. Um, mm. Yes, I know they're out there, and that they might well do things very well, but they they have all this stuff about the battle map that I'm simply never going to use. Well, even 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 if they do have other stuff that I would like, like being able to put a picture on the screen. Well, yeah, the battle I, map. I, I don't care about moving the miniatures across the screen. Yeah, the battle map <laughs> comes up. It see it it seems to be it's a relic of of, of F twenty, which is what they're mostly used. Which for. is what they're mostly used for. I know, but the the idea that's the first thing in the instruction manual. And it shouldn't be. The first thing in the instruction manual is how I get to speak to my players, how we get to talk to each other, how we get to pass messages to each other. I get to put a character sheet or a picture up on the, the screen in front of them so they can all see it. I don't care about moving miniatures around. I do, I, I do it sometimes in real life. I, when it becomes necessary for a campaign, if I, if I ever ran for some obscure region dungeon fantasy, um, GURPS Dungeon Fantasy uh, over the over the net. I'd I'd, I'd learn learn it for them, because that's when it would come into into its own. But it's not the first thing. You you young chaps out there, busily <laughs> working away on your hobby pro projects, listen to this old duffer here, and get the important vital things right first, rather than the fancy stuff. Well, I I think a lot of this came in when the bandwidth and the technology weren't there to make video conferencing or even audio conferencing reliable over the net. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the, you know, the early days of Roll20, it was basically a map and a, and a text chat channel Yeah. with possible private messages and a die roller. Um, because you can say, okay, you know, here, here is your image file of the map, there is your image file of the miniature. It's quite cheap computationally to send a message saying, this overlay of the miniature has now moved to coordinates X and Y. Yeah. And and it's grown from there. That's where it started from. You can use it for other things, but that's not the core of what it's about. Well, what I would like to do uh, is possibly building something using WebRTC. Hmm. Um, start with the video conferencing and then add stuff on round to the side so I can click on somebody's uh, min miniature um, video and, and say, either let's lock everybody else out of the audio for a minute and I can say something to you, or I can chat or I can type a message which only you will see, yeah. something like that. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think whilst we're talking about ideas, I also want, um, I also want a button somebody can click so that they can, uh, there's a, there, there's the equivalent of the flashing red light over the, uh, serve it yourself counter at the, at the supermarket. So I, as the GM or the chap in charge of the counter can come over and help the chap who's in distress. Mm. And the, uh, I should be a secret flashing red light that only the GM sees because, Sometimes you don't want people to know that you're talking to the GM. <laughs> I think the, these are designed for fairly small groups. I and mean, There's obviously some commonality with, with what you're saying about LARP in, in that if you're doing the pure video conference route, you probably don't want a particularly detailed mm. fighting uh, in the scenario. I, uh, but they tend to be sort of four or five, particularly with WebRTC, where you're sending out streams in parallel, it does start to creak a bit. I mean, I've seen recordings of eight, and it sort of works... But myself, look, five five is pretty much my ideal number. Yeah, four or five is my ideal number. Six is is pushing my limits whilst I'm around the table. I can do it, and I do it on the Wednesday um, fairly regularly. But it, it does it does require more effort. No, four or five, four really in uh, in an environment that I'm not used to, will be more than enough 
for me. I found doing it text only via whatever was before Google Hangouts was. Google Wave? Yeah. Um, doing it via Google Wave and text only. I did find lagging became a distinct problem. Um, I found uh, people drifting off, not being there, being out of touch. But in the four or five years since then, I'm no doubt the the world the, the the world of technology has improved and changed. Well, it does help that if somebody's stepped away from their camera, you can see they've stepped away from their camera. Yeah. So I mean, it gets quite disconcerting if they then have a mirror behind them and you're seeing whatever's on their screen. But <laughs> actually, wouldn't that make a lovely mystery? Not 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 to play out. Um, in, in a game, but to write a mystery about what happens when you're gaming and you witness somebody's murder over <laughs> the video link. Oh, that's a lovely idea. Write that down, Michael. Write that down. <laughs> one one thing that is worth considering um, is time zones. I have occasionally players from mainland Europe. I suspect they mostly play in their own languages. Mm. Uh, and in practice, un unless I'm prepared to run a game during my working hours, you know, lunchtime-ish, mm. it's going to be far, far too late at night, i.e. sort of what 1 to 4 a.m. for the Americans. I did manage to run uh, the Ars Magica online with people in different continents, but it was... People were... Uh, it what became unreliable toward, towards the end, and um, people were dropping out. Ars Magica is fairly forgiving of that, if you've got one Magus and a few companions together, mm -hmm. but uh, it did become it did become an issue. I'm just, I'm fairly certain there are people out there who want to play at unusual times of the morning for for them, um, especially amongst obsessive geeks. But my rule of thumb is if if they don't bother to say what time zone they're in, they're probably in one of the American ones. You, that's uh, on the grounds of American centralism. Uh, the vast majority of role players are in the U.S. All right. And so they may well not have had to think about it before. Fair enough. But yeah, anyway, this works. Um, it, finding the players is, is still a problem of finding players, uh, but the technology is now there to the point where it'll work. Mm. And, and I would certainly recommend it if you've got a game that fits a small group and either you've got players who, who can install the software or you've got a relatively non-tactical game. I would say... If I can't manage light tactics, then it becomes less useful to me. Um, I did find, hmm, maybe I have a tendency to overwhelm by my sheer awesomeness the lack of detail I put into, uh, into descriptions of combat in my face-to-face -face games, and maybe that became an issue when running combat in Ars Magica, where it may just have been that I do not understand Ars Magica 5th edition combat terribly well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I want to be able to say, I want that, that battle map to be there, and I want it to be easy to configure and quick to set up. Mm. But, uh, I, I want the equivalent of my, my, of my, uh, battle map that I can draw on with, um, soluble marker and, um, yeah. and create, create a location quickly, which is what I take along when I think there's going to be any sort of detailed combat. But I don't want it to be the main thing that the the system is built around because that's less useful. But maybe I'm an eccentric here. Yeah, it, it may well be that somebody will add build something to add on to something a primarily primarily video conference system. But at the moment, I don't think it exists. Is there a Kickstarter in this for some enthusiastic person? Uh, I really ought to learn some more about WebRTC. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. I think we move on. I've always been a proponent of stealing plots and plot elements from other media, particularly if they're other media so bad that your players won't admit to having read or watched them. But there are some stories that are really difficult to make into role-playing games. Most published stories are sole protagonist anyway. This is true. Um, and don't, don't work as well with a group. But a particular example that occurred to me was Kind Hearts and Coronets. Okay. For, for the benefit of people who haven't seen it, you, you poor unfortunate people, 
Um, we have the very distant relative, you know, eighth in line to the, to the earldom. Yeah. Uh, Dukedom, please. Dukedom, I'm sorry. Um, who, whose mother was, um, cast off for marrying somebody that they didn't approve of and well, later died. Yeah. And he, he's not having a particularly great life and v various people who are higher in the line of succession do, do him dirt and he decides, right, I'm going to murder them all. Hmm. They're all played by Alec Guinness, which which helps. All the people he murders are played by Alec Guinness. Yes. Um, so how could you convert that sort of story in, into a game? With, well, with difficulty, well, I think. Well, this is true. I think it would, might work as a LARP in which you are the members, surviving members of the family trying to figure out which one of you is actually going to... is actually going around killing you. Yeah, so someone is offering your relatives. Who is it? Yeah, presumably it's nobody who's higher in the line of succession than you. You don't know. Your <laughs> grandfather might hate you. <laughs> I yeah, all right. Uh, but there are a number of um... you, you'd give up party cohesion for this certainly if, if you did. Well, quite Be um, because because they've got to suspect each other. It's true, and uh, and their suspicions should be well founded in each individual case. <laughs> well, I can see that 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 running as a LARP if you turn it on its head and make the victims the protagonists. Yeah, the the more conventional approach, which I think would be difficult, would be to have one one player being the heir, yeah, and the rest being his gang of scrappy assistants. Yeah, but, but what's in it for them? Um. Well, if the gang of scrappy assistants are the staff at the Ducal Manor, then revenge, I would say, and a pay rise. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but he is opening himself up, up to blackmail forever in that situation. Oh, well, that's true. enough in the film. Incidentally, if you've seen the American version of the film, they added a scene at the end. Uh, if, if you've seen the version in which the memoir is actually being discovered and read, that's the American version. They had to add that for the production code. It's supposed to be an ambiguous ending, guys. <laughs> Dear God in heaven. What an abomination. <laughs> anyway. Um, All right. There, there are a number of... Uh, excuse me. I'm not sure this counts as stuff that's hard to, um, to adapt, but there are a number of the classic British comedies, dramas of the, of, of the 50s, which um, shouldn't apply inspiration. For instance, the Lady Killers. Now, mm. there's a there's classic. It's a fiasco story, isn't it? Quick summary for the benefit. Of um, a group of uh, of ruthless um, bank robbers are disguising themselves as a string quartet who are rehearsing in order to get together to plot their crime in the house of a sweet little old lady, which is still standing up to the rest of the street. I think has been. Demolished, is that what I, I remember? Yeah. She, think so. She, it's, a nice, it's an isolated house. And um, eventually they fall out amongst each other and she alone is left alive um, with a little bit of money on the side and police not believing a word of what she says. Is that a re reasonable summary? Yeah, I, I think particularly the thing that struck me about it is you, you've got these hard-boiled, ruthless crooks who can't actually bring themselves to knock off the harmless old lady. Yeah. Even though, even at the point where this would actually solve their problems, she, she has discovered something about it and, and is very suspicious. Yeah. Even though the police won't believe her, it's still a leak. Yeah, that is a lot. That is that that's a, is a fiasco story. People with, with with great ambitions and and limited competence. The, mm, uh, the and poor impulse control. Poor and poor impulse control. <laughs> the the characterisation is uh, is the fun part. Part of it, or how about how about the Lavender Hill mob, which is just two two people with an audacious plan, and that has a tacked on moralistic ending as well. Curse it! <laughs> That's the um, the gold robbery. That's the gold robbery. Alec Guinness. Uh, the classic line being is, "It's a good job we're both honest men, Bendlebury." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... If you want to support four, four players, though, can can you make everybody be an honest man who is drawn in? Well, the, 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 the line, line is, is ironic. You could you could expand 
expand the plot. It goes. It's a. It's a. It's a comedy version of a classic um, caper uh, movie. Um, what else? Uh, we're going off the topic wildly here. Give me more stuff that is impossible. How about the Titchfield Thunderbolt? As a, now, there's a cosy. Uh, it's entirely too cosy. That, that I think would be doable. I mean, you you you've got a bunch of people with a with a broadly common goal. Yeah, it doesn't involve killing things, but so it, it involves, fr- involves frustrating uh, frustrating a only very mildly fiendish enemy. Uh, yeah, that, that that sort of thing I think would be would be quite easy to adapt. Um, mm. A lot of it would, would be would be having a series of problems, and then then working out between you who can actually do something about it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We're drifting on this topic. <laughs> we're drifting quite dreadfully. We had something when we were discussing it before. I think. Yeah, I, I think the sole protagonist thing is is a big part of it. Mm. We, yeah. If 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 you have a group of um, nerdy wells, then yes, yeah. you you can drop that into fiasco without ma- major surgery. Um, when you have a single protagonist, it gets trickier because, especially if, if they're getting into something that might make them hugely rich, you, it, it's plausible to believe some one person might not yeah. blab about this while, while it's still being developed and, and then things go wrong and he has to run for his life and have adventures and whatnot. Mm. But when you've got four or five people, they need to have a, a strong bond between them before the adventure starts. Or it just starts feeling implausible that one of them wouldn't be a bit on the iffy side. Yeah. Though, but, yeah, the, the, the caper film, it's a fairly standard plot, mm-hmm. and that is one answer to this. Yeah, I find the, the modern, um, the modern one incredibly tough man against, incre- uh, d- dire circumstances, uh, like the Jack Reacher books, which I have tried to read and failed. I have read them, but got quite difficult towards the end but I yeah know. yeah um the that that sort of thing and that and the jason Bourne thing the, the trouble i'm having one of the troubles i'm having with knights black agents is that they are supposed to be a group of people just that cool and i'm having difficulty getting them to be outrageous enough mm. uh, the theory is if i throw enough vampires at them eventually they will stop uh, they will turn they will turn and be heroic do you have sufficiently different roles that you can get niche protection out of it? There is a certain amount of niche protection, but that tends to be on the investigative side. Yeah. Um, and there's the chap who likes blowing things up, and there's the lass who likes shooting people, preferably from a distance. And there's um, and there's a wire rat, and oh, and there's the man who has hidden and strange training, which he does not entirely understand. Thinking of. Um individual against tough tough environment um film a few years ago the gray um oh. was a chap who's the sole survivor of an air crash he's transiting back from an oil rig he is now dumped in the alaskan wilderness mm. nobody knows where he is he's got to try to survive uh as long as it doesn't involve eating anybody i i can see that would be thrilling does it involve eating anybody mm, only by the wolves ew ew <laughs> But there's not a lot of good eating on a wolf. But you would lose a lot of the um, sense of isolation if simply from having people to talk to. Yeah, and saying you are the five guys who survived this air crash. People are going to start dividing up jobs and and doing things and taking action. Then they're not going to th- contemplate sitting down and despairing. If I understand it, I haven't read it or watched it. The Martian, mm. because. That would be extremely difficult because what what it mostly consists of is make a role to have a brilliant idea, make a role to implement it. Yeah, quite. The make a role to have a brilliant idea thing is a bit of a bugger, especially when you have technology or magic that neither the GM nor the player has a firm idea about how it works. Yeah, this is one reason I, I like to have consistent systems that the players can engage with because then the players can... Yeah, okay, they they may not be using their characters' hmm. stats, but they can at least themselves say, right, we can plug thing A into thing B and it will do this useful side effect. I, I wonder if I can rig my fusion gun man portable to cook toast. <laughs> the dungeon is... No, it's the Wilderness Survival Guide for D&D. Yeah. Explained why you don't light your campfire with a flame strike. Mm. At length, clearly this was something the author <laughs> felt strongly about. 
Clearly, it is something the author had seen on more than one occasion. <laughs> In any case. I th- have we exhausted this? I don't think we've got anywhere near the core of, of this. We can make role-playing games out of practically anything. Challenge us! Please, please, send us your challenges. I think we move on. As we said, please send us your challenges, um, your plans for the latest uh, Kickstarter for new technology, or your ideas for a really stunning LARP, um, either by writing at the website or by email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And we'll be back again next month with more uh, inconsequential waffle. We thank you. <laughs>